off top in 1953. University of Maryland Terrapins won a national football championship after going undefeated and losing in the Orange Bowl to Oklahoma. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate. Throw your hands up, Bill. I don't like that skeptical face. Throw them up. Respect to Allstate. I have an Allstate off top, too, but I might save that for the playoffs when we get serious about it. I had two off tops today, Bill. How you like that? hope that second one was better than the first one because the first <laughs> one kind of just petered out into a, uh, a quiet silence by the end of it. No, it was a great one. They lost. The, they went 10-0 and lost. The final game of the season in the Orange Bowl to number four Oklahoma and was still named national champions in 1953 by AP. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's just because they didn't have TV then. Nobody was actually watching the games. (laughs) It was the last numbers. You know who was in good hands? was in November. Who's in good hands? Uh, Florida was in good hands when they played you in the Orange Bowl (sighs) in 2002. Uh, let's laugh about how Dominique got blown out in the Orange Bowl. Oh, oh, okay, when he was a freshman. It's like noise. Yeah, what? what, what, Is that me or Charlie or some kind of amalgamation of both? Three Stooges. That's how all haters sound to me. You guys wouldn't understand that because you, as haters, you can't hear yourself. You can't. You can't hurt me. Everyone knows I'm a loser. I'm not trying to hurt you, Vanderbilt. Like, I mean, goodness gracious. I just as a person, but yeah, sure. I, I will say, also. I feel like, I feel like today, Charlie, you have very strong Matthew Stafford vibes coming Ooh. through. So <laughs> when on, we on when we started uh, doing this show, someone commented on every single YouTube video, being like, "Why does Dominique's producer look like Matthew Stafford with the baby filter?" It was only like, the first <laughs> ten episodes. <laughs> Don't tell anybody that was me. Yeah, were, were there several knock knock knocks as part of the comment as well? Or? Are you drinking out of my mug, Charlie? That's right. <laughs> what is you sitting in my chair? You're soiling my seat with your loser booty, and then putting your you know, loser hater mouth, those loser tiny lips, on my beautiful, beautiful Foxworth mug. Zero points given. Charlie, true or false, are you doing Roses and Thorns with Ashley on Friday? Third wheel? I'll, Third wheel I'll, segment? How dare you? There was a lot of, I was going to say there was a lot of good football, but there was a lot of football played this weekend, right? Some of it was. Great transition. So Thank this you. leads me to my first question that I have for you guys, and we will talk about the matchup, the playoff matchup between Philly and Tampa Bay. But big question. Do the Philadelphia Eagles stink? <laughs> um i mean it's hard to argue that they don't at least on defense they do they absolutely do stink on defense the last couple weeks have been against offensive teams that are not very scary but look incredible against them like tyrod taylor should thank them he is in the running for a starting job somewhere after what he did saquon running down the sideline uncovered just wide open wheel routes. Like it it was almost as if coming off last week, normally you want to say like a champion's gonna come back stronger. They came back worse. Like this was as ugly or uglier than their Arizona loss. And so I think a lot of us have been out on them as a real Super Bowl contender, but we hold out like, well, they're champions and they have a lot of talent. I don't know. It's no sense in holding out that hope for them at this point. This team especially when they're racking up injuries in the course of this game. A.J. Brown went out with a knee. Uh, it seemed like Justin, or not Justin, it seemed like uh, Jalen Hurts' finger was making a Z pattern, which <laughs> might be problematic if you're going to throw with that hand. So, yeah, Bill, what do you think? Yeah, that Z pattern sounds familiar because it looks like the Eagles are zombies on defense. <laughs> like, they, they – they they don't know where to go. They make the most obvious mental mistakes. They're like they're doubling Saquon Barkley coming out on a on an angle route where you know some guy comes totally free for thirty yards over the middle of the field. Like Kyle Shanahan cannot be allowed to watch this tape because <laughs> he would start salivating. It was like like, like the tape in uh in Infinite Jest that that ruins you if you watch it. That is what this tape looks like to Kyle Shanahan. It is it's embarrassing and like. It's one thing when you say, okay, well, they had a couple guys out, and they're not 100% right now, 
But like they got Zach Cunningham back. They didn't look better. They have their pass rush back. Their pass rush does not look good. They have no sacks. This team who had 70 sacks last year from their from their from their their pass rush a year ago. One of the best marks in NFL history. They have no sacks from their edge rushers in a month. And maybe they're not playing is, dominant offensive lines, like you said. Maybe this is their strategy to beat the 49ers. Is, no, no, they're gonna give Kyle Shanahan a film so seductive that he's just going to be stuck in the film room because he can't stop watching it. He won't eat. He won't do anything for three weeks because he's going to be so turned on by how terrible the linebackers and safeties are that he will not move on to game plan and they will come in and – but first they got to get past the Bucs, what I'm not sure they're Mm going to be able to do either. Your point about the sacks reminds me just generally how lucky they were last year in some ways. And as far as staying healthy, and I, I mean, saying that they were lucky suggested they weren't good. They were good, too. But there was a lot of luck breaks for you in football. You need it, especially in single elimination in the playoffs. And the sack number is somewhat a function of, like, having a good pass rush and luck and ending drives that could have gone longer, causing fumbles to get short fields. It changes games. And then next thing you know, you're up by 14 and the game is pretty much over. Why, by the sack number going the other direction this year because they still have great defensive linemen. I think it's allowed them to expose some of the holes that were uncovered in their defense well, uh, this season. How great do you think that defensive line is? Because it seems like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter have hit like a young defensive lineman wall and Hassan Reddick hasn't been as dominant as he was. Like, Are we just overrating that unit a little bit also? For sure. I, I mean, I, th- I think – we love the way they fit together. Like, I think everyone loved the story of, oh, they're just taking all the Georgia players. The Georgia defense was good. They're going to be good in the NFL. Jalen Carter has been pretty good. Jordan mm-hmm. Davis has been disappointing. Uh, Nolan Smith, they've been using him as a linebacker for stretches, uh, which he is not an NFL linebacker, I don't believe. Um, he's barely rotated in an edge rusher. Like, like those, those pieces made sense on paper, but they have not played as well, especially over the final uh, couple months of the season. And then... A lot of the guys they had last year were guys who are on the, not the downside of their careers necessarily, but they're older. I mean, Hassan Reddick was has already been, you know, on, on three different teams. Um, James Bradbury and Darius Slate, both on the wrong side of 30. And mm-hmm. Fletcher Cox. Slate, Fletcher Cox is older. Brandon Graham has, you know, been playing since I was in high school, and he took a step backwards this year. Like, they're one of the oldest teams in all of football, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And... This was a team that was relying on all those guys because they brought in two new starting linebackers and two new starting safeties this year because they had to lose a bunch of guys in free agency. So to them, they've been relying on those guys all year, and those guys at this point of the season do not look up to it. Yeah, I, I think it's been obvious how this defense was going to have to prevail this season. It's going to have to be a lot like last year, and it's dominating up front, and they haven't really been doing that. And I think your point is a fair one. Is The young guys that they brought in, and it seems smart, like we're getting old at the most important part of our defense or the strongest part of our defense. Let's get young and draft talented guys to replace them. And too bad. They're not quite living up to the expectations. And even when Jordan Davis, like you didn't expect a whole lot from him, I don't think. But his size and athleticism suggests that he's going to be an asset. And yeah. He doesn't have to be, like, dominant, but, like, you expect him to be, like, give you pops every now and then. And it hasn't seen, like, I don't really, it feels like the Jordan Davis highlights that I see is, like, wow, he's fast, guys. Look how fast he's running. But I don't see, you know, it's, like, it's feats of athleticism. It's, like, surprising things, like, combine-looking things. But I don't see him, like, wrecking the defensive or wrecking the offensive line and uh, causing a pile to make life easy for the linebackers. And we brought up the offense, the injuries on very briefly, like AJ Brown did not look good in this game. He went down with a C what looked like a, a meaningful knee injury, hoping he's okay. We're recording this before information comes out on it, but Jalen hurts. Like you said, finger injury, Devonte Smith was already out for this game. I, I mean, th- this feels like, this feels like the, the bad parts of the Carson Wentz era when they were down to like Greg Ward at receiver and they were just like signing guys off the street and being like, okay, this guy's, you know, like Jordan Matthews, second round of this team is going to solve our problems. And it doesn't work like that. Like, like they, they have star talent. They have less depth than they had a year ago, but those stars, a lot of them are either injured or just not playing very well. And they don't have the stuff to make up for it. So you mean Julio Jones is not saving them? Julio Jones is, might be their best wide receiver <laughs> next week, getting into the first round of the playoffs. It might be him or Quez Watkins. And Zacchaeus? We, 
we talked about all of this. The keys can block. That's nice. But we talked about <laughs> all of this, and I'm not sure the Eagles were that much worse than the Buccaneers were on yeah. Sunday. <laughs> which yeah, that's going to make for a fun matchup in the wild card round. Well, so that's the follow up on this. This matchup, fun story. The Bucks having a nice season with Baker Mayfield. Um, the Eagles are favored by two and a half. That's that's where the line is open. I imagine that is going to move a little bit. I'm just guessing the sharps are going to dig in on the. This this sounds like you're just you just read a thing on gambling terms on Yahoo. And <laughs> no, one of our one of our producers Kevin told me that the, in a paragraph is possible. Um, and that the well, public money is going to come in on the Eagles. Charlie, do you do you think there'll be reverse line movement as part of this? <laughs> well, I don't know what that means. Uh, Bill, you Bill is an Vegas. actual, Bill is an actual gambler. Oh, not a good one. Oh gosh. Sorry. No, don't apologize. He deserves it. You see how, how uh, he had a good time when you was messing with me before the I'm show. Just gonna take now a he gets a little heat. Mug. Gets a little heat and he, and he clams up. No, you say really something. Talk? Say something, Vanilla Baby. Talk. I don't, I don't know. I don't know which one you're talking about. Me or Charlie? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, you're, uh, you're not the baby. Charlie's the baby. <laughs> so should the line be two and a half for the Eagles? How, should, how do you think this is gonna go? <laughs> Do you want me to say something funny? I don't have funny things to say. We've gone over this. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I have no idea where this line's going to go. I think you would expect the Bucks to, like, they have a good defense, and their defense showed up this week against an offense that's not all that impressive. But still, they shut them out. Um, Winfield made that incredible play to cause to save that touchdown, which led to a touchback, which kept on the shutout. So if the um, – Eagles offense of the second half of the year, or frankly, the Eagles offense of, or excuse me, the Eagles defense of the second half of the year and much of this season shows up. I think Baker Mayfield and the Bucks will have no problem moving the ball because no one has a problem moving the ball against that Eagles defense. And if the Bucks defense shows up the way that it can, combined with the injuries, like I'm not sure, especially since it's going to be in Tampa Bay, I'm not sure we don't end up with the Bucks as favorites, as crazy as that sounds, coming off a of Super Bowl with a team that we thought was left for dead. In a different universe, I would imagine like 40,000 Eagles fans would go to Florida for this game. But in hearing how much we dislike this Eagles team, <laughs> we cannot underestimate or undersell how much the Eagles fans in my life hate with every fiber of their being this Eagles team. Like, like they have such strong, we don't care, just get to the offseason. We need, like, six new players to solve our problems. Please simulate to the end of the season. That is the entire energy this fan base has right now. And I'm sure they're going to win next week, and people are going to say, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I promise you. Look at the mentions right now. Eagles fans hate this team, and they should. They're not a fun watch and have not been a fun watch for two months now. And the only thing that might make me believe the Eagles should be favored to win this game is the Buccaneers are also banged up. Baker Mayfield was limping throughout this game. Baker Mayfield, I I guarantee, had like the I'm putting the team on my back speech the entire game playing Mm -hmm. in his his earpiece because he was limping around like he had uh, some kind of injury for the entire game. It looked like he got his um, ankle like rolled up in a excuse me, in a sack and he came into the game with a messed up rib already. So yeah, I guess I didn't account for that. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't account for that portion of the injury. You're right. I'm assuming, I'm just looking at the Eagles injuries as a problem, but the Baker injury is going to be an issue. This is going to be a game that is not very fun. It's your point about the Eagles fans. I had some Eagles fans in my life really upset at me for some things I said about the Eagles a couple weeks ago. I got some apology texts tonight. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were right. My bad. I hate these Eagles. It's, it's, a, it's a bad look. I mean, we joked about very, very, it. Uh, uh, crying emoji. <laughs> tell him, young blood. Tell, tell him what they got to know. I mean, we, we, we joked <laughs> about right, it. young blood. Comparing them to the, to the Vikings <laughs> them, from last year. Them Eagles year. ain't nothing but job turkeys, young fella. <laughs> So, oh, just listening to Osley Brothers and crying about how bad the Eagles are. <laughs> oh man, shaking a bag of chains in a Crown Royal bag. Oh goodness. Oh man. Uh, all right, I'm sorry, Charlie. Sorry, it took me like to the last reference to to pick up on everything. Oh yeah, um, just, just um, wiping the sweat from their brow just, after just they weep, weep. So I want to ask you this way. <laughs> 
Just a uh, Kangol, a stack of Kangol's, sweaty, sad Kangol's in the corner of the room. I've, I've lost control. Um, I want to ask you this way. Let's oh, go. You, you never had it, sir. You never had take, it. You're Sorry. sitting in the big chair, Charlie. <laughs> I love this bill. Remember you thought you were going to gang up on me? I did. It was on my side. Um, All right, let's go. What's go. next? So which unit do you trust more, the Bucks offense or the Eagles offense? Ooh. Well, well who, who – like, it partly depends on who's playing, right? Like, yeah. if the Eagles don't have A.J. Brown and don't have Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts is – uh, finger looks like um, you could use it to um, build Ikea furniture. That's going to be a problem, but maybe it's better in a way. Like Eagles fans, all they've mm, said for months and months and is we just want to run the ball. Like they're literally cheering when the Eagles are running the ball during games. Maybe this propels the Eagles to just say, screw it, we're going to run the ball 45 times and maybe that makes their offense better. Yeah, but I mean, the running that they focus on is requires that quarterback with the zigzag finger uh, to be an integral part in his knee. We stopped talking about how we thought something was wrong with his knee at some point this season. I don't think that thing is completely healed. No. So I think the tough thing about me answering this question is I've watched a lot more Eagles this year. So, like, I have stronger emotional reaction to you asking me that question than I have Bucks. So, like, my immediate reaction is like, this Eagles offense is so frustrating. I don't feel as frustrated by the Bucks offense, but it doesn't mean it's better. It just is it's like I have lower expectations. I think that's it. Like I'm less annoyed by them because it's kind of like, ooh, they're better than I thought. While them and the yes. Eagles probably land at the same place, I'm like the Eagles are much worse than they should be. And it's like yes. it, it makes me want to like the Bucks more. Yes. There's expectations matter. And yeah. The Eagles being like the 14th best offense in football and the Buccaneers being the 18th best football in offense in football feels very different, even though they're not that much different in reality. Rashad White also limped off in this game, and he's become such a like focal point of what they want to do. They're not good on the ground, but they're better than they would be without Rashad White. And so, um, you know, it kind of feels like just who, who eventually is going to have like, you know, a, a healthy hand on deck. It feels like Mike Evans is the only prominent skill position player who comes into this game resembling 100%, and that could be really scary because the Eagles have not covered anybody over the past month. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish, shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Let's bounce to another fun matchup in the NFC. And I want to talk to you about this from... We're going to get the Lions and Rams, but I want to talk about the Lions oh. specifically with this. Okay. The Lions played their starters in a game that, assuming that the Cowboys were going to beat the Commanders, which assumption was right, was essentially a meaningless game. Sam Laporta, who has been one of the best tight ends in the NFL this year, got hurt. Khalif Raymond got hurt. Amon Ra got hurt. They came back and scored a winning touchdown. But this is on the heels of Dan Campbell being like insanely aggressive all the time. Do you think he's been too aggressive in his decision making lately? And then we can pivot into that to talking about their juicy matchup with Matt Stafford and the Rams. No, like, like you, you can't, you can't turn Dan Campbell off. Like, <laughs> like it's not like, it's not like, like, you know, a fan, we can set it to low. It, if there's on, there's Dan Campbell and there's not Dan Campbell. And so, like you saw in this game, Dan Campbell w made a point to throw a tackle-eligible pass to Dan Skipper. Yeah. And you know, mm -hmm. Dan, Dan Campbell has been thinking all week about, man, 
sips like four coffees. I can't wait to throw that tackle eligible pass for four yards to Dan Skipper just to stick it <laughs> to the referees after last week. Like, like there's no like like I I think Dan Campbell, maybe rightfully so, sees his aggressiveness, sees his personality, sees his desire to push the envelope to to rev the pedal as a feature, not something yeah. that would ever be a right. bug for the Lions. And so like, I think that's innately part of how they see their makeup. So, of course, they would play the way they did. When we ever create this Foxworth Show board of principles, at the top is going to be trade-offs. Like, it's number one. Like, there are trade-offs with every decision that you make and everything that you do. And there's a Dan Campbell trade-off. And with Dan Campbell trade-offs, sometimes there is a drawback. In this case, this is the drawback. It's, it sucks. So, the answer is yes. He is too aggressive. But do you want to try to, like, tone down Dan Campbell's aggressiveness? No. If the result is you you injure three players, lose one at least for sure, one of your best players, lose them for sure, and, like, inhibit the abilities of other important players on your team, also you can get a win over the Vikings. That's not going to change your seeding. It's not going to change anything. Then, of course, he's too aggressive. If you're going for two after a five-yard penalty to lose a game, yes, that's too aggressive. But I think that part of the culture of the Lions, and maybe you require some lunatic to change you from being such a laughingstock franchise to a franchise that's competitive, You re- it requires a lunatic like Dan Campbell, and with that comes some risk. Yeah, I mean, Dan Campbell is basically the coaching equivalent of Josh Allen. And we saw what happened with Josh Allen this year. Like, all, all summer, we're like, okay, we're smart. We're going to learn. Not going to have Josh run the ball. The Bills are a mess. They blow games. They're terrible. We're like, oh, we got to pump up the Josh. We need more Josh. And their season gets saved in the process. And the same thing is true with Dan Campbell. If we were like, oh, Dan, don't go for it on fourth down. Dan, don't drink four coffees a day. Dan. Uh, you know, you, you have to rest some guys. There's no resting guys in the Dan Campbell universe. That just does not exist. That budding does not work. Brandon Staley just needs to get really jacked, and then maybe we'll respect him like Dan Campbell. Um, I do want to push this forward a tiny bit, though, because it is a delicious matchup with Matt Stafford yeah. and the Rams. What, which of those teams and, do you... Th- and Jared Goff and the Lions. Yeah, Jared Goff yeah. and the Lions, yeah. Um, but you know, there's that tweet that will go viral. Of, I really hope Matt Stafford wins that wins the first playoff game in in Detroit in however many years. Um, that just gets tossed up every time the Lions get slightly better in the last couple of years. Um, who do you think is a better team? I mean, I think the Lions are a better team. Uh, the the major hole in the Lions and their defense has gotten better is one that we've been harping on for a while now is like the lack of pass rush. But if Aiden Hutchinson plays the way that he has been playing the last few weeks, he feels like a one-man pass rush. I doubt that uh, Sean McVay and all his offensive genius is going to be dumb enough to to let Aiden Hutchinson line up in one-on-ones and not get rid of the ball and not play action, not boot away from him and not do those things. I think that's they're going to try to find a way to eliminate him because there's not very many other people on a defense that it feels like you need to game plan for and prepare for. So I, I, that, I'm saying that to say I still think it'll be a competitive game, but if you ask me to pick one team that's better, I, I think I, as an overall team, I'd go with that offensive line and the weapons, less healthy now, weapons of the Lions than I would of the Rams. What Even though the Rams have won seven of eight and their one loss yes. was in overtime to the Ravens. That's what I was going to say. Oh. Um, Let's I, go. I, I, this is I a salient agree. point. I agree. This is a salient point. I agree. I, I will say the Lions as well. I think they've been better over the course of the entire season. I think there's a more interesting question to ask about this game. And Charlie, I want your opinion Ooh. on this topic. Who do you think needs to win this game more? Who do you think this game matters to more? Because Matthew Stafford has won a Super Bowl. He has that. That's not going away no matter what happens. Matthew Stafford's also pretty much at the end of his career. I think after every season from this point forward, Matthew Stafford's going to be, uh, you know, talking about retiring and, and moving on from his career. Might be his last chance to ever play a postseason game, let alone play a postseason game in front of the place he was playing for so long. Jared Goff got pretty much got dumped by the Rams ignominiously, sent to Detroit um, to fail thrived anyway, is playing for a contract, hasn't had a lot of success in the playoffs outside of the one year they went to the Super Bowl. Kind of feels like it could be Jared Goff. Kind of feels like it could be Matthew Stafford. What do you think, Charlie? Goff and the Lions. 
Yeah, the Lions haven't was... won a playoff game, and I don't think they've won a playoff game in my lifetime. Um, they have been like so quietly. Ninety three. Like I feel like Are they won one ninety three. Okay, they oh, won maybe, one. Maybe I'm wrong. One playoff thought... game in my lifetime. Either way, it's been it's been thirty one years if that's the tie, which is like close close enough. Um, like I, I was definitely still using diapers when they were winning playoff games. Um, I was, oh, I was diaping. And so that, that's the answer. And yeah. Goff, like Goff was a joke when he got traded. He was a throw and they had to attach a first round pick to Jared Goff to get him off of the roster as a tax to get Matthew Stafford and him being a quarterback that goes from a bridge quarterback to a potential franchise guy. It to me is much higher stakes than someone like Matthew Stafford, who, he won his Super Bowl. He's been excellent. He's on a course where I think Matthew Stafford, Hall of Fame quarterback, would have been a controversial take, and it's careening more and more towards the fact that he's going to be a Hall of Fame guy, whether he wins this game right. or not. All right, slow down, brother. I'm not yeah, going to let you open got, this Pandora's yeah, box. I, 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 I agreed with you until we got into this conversation. I'm just saying, like, he's going to be standing on the stage in Canton, and they're going to be like, really didn't deserve it. He lost that game to the he lost that game to the Lions two years after he won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I get your point, but I, I, I think your answer was right um, up until we got real sketchy at the end. But, uh, no, your answer was right because— We'll, we'll revisit the, this in five to seven yeah, years. <laughs> I think so. I think so. The Lions— um, even if you erase the history of the Lions, you just talk about this Lions now. Like, they are a team that I think we believe is headed in the right direction, and this right. is another step that needs to be taken. And this year is an unusual year in football where it feels like you have a chance uh, in the NFC that feels like it's one team deep. And I guess depending on how you feel about the Cowboys uh, outside of San Francisco – David, the Lions have already proven that they can play with the Cowboys in Dallas. So, like, it seems like there's one team that they can't beat maybe in the 49ers. And we know how football works. Between now and the time they play the 49ers, a lot of things can happen. So, I, I don't see that for the Rams. I don't see a possibility for the Rams. It seems much more unlikely for them to win the Super Bowl. They could pull off this upset. But making something, making a run all the way to the championship seems unlikely. And this all seems like... They, they've already gotten to the icing portion because we were talking about this team as if they were in full rebuild mode. First overall like, pick. This would yeah. be the best spot for Caleb Williams. Get him coached yeah, up by Sean McVay. They're going to I was hoping for that. And they've already, they're already at the icing portion. They've got candles out. I don't know what is happening after this day. This would just be lighting the candles, I guess. But for the Lions, yeah, we just made the cake. They're expecting a lot more. You don't like my I cake analogy? I I, I think I I think I lost the metaphor a little bit along the way. I'm not sure where we are. We've made the cake. Are we eating the cake? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. For the Lions, it's still better. It's still better. <laughs> they haven't even gotten to the cake portion. They got to win a game to bake it. Then we get some icing. Yeah. Then we but go candles. Licking, then we light. They're licking. They're licking that batter a little bit, and it tastes good though. You <laughs> got to agree. Batter's delicious. You got to agree. Um, <laughs> the thing for the Lions is that you figure they're going to be back, right? Like this is not going to be the last time this core of players makes it to the postseason with the rams i think they're in good shape they have a lot of really talented young players who have broken through this year but they're you know their core their pillars i was talking about with jordan Rodriguez, my podcast this week matthew stafford cooper cup aaron donald you know they're all in their 30s they're all going to be probably a little worse next year than they were this year um you know there's no guarantees they're going to be back every single year from this point forward their division's tougher than the nfc north is so it kind of feels like I, I agree with you about the lions but I also kind of feel like there's more pressure on the Rams than maybe you guys are making it out to be. Can I can I change my answer? <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> this is I just started thinking about cake. This is this this is icing on the cake for both of them. For the Rams, really? this is a pleasant <laughs> surprise. For the Lions, this is their best season in 30 years. Like they won oh, the division. I, this is the first time. This is great. Nah, nah the I, Lions I have expectations. <laughs> The Lions yeah, had preseason expectations. They won their first game against the Chiefs. Expectations are high for the Lions. It matters for them. Here's the thing. For, for, for Lions fans, everything so far has been the way up. But like this coaster. is what I think. Like This is the opposite of the Eagles fans. Like Even if they lose this game, like this is their best season in 30 years. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they're, dis they're disappointed. <laughs> if they lose yeah, this game, disappointed. they're disappointed. This is no, I think they're significantly disappointed. Like, this is a letdown. This is supposed to be their first win since 93. You don't think that they are going to be disappointed if they have their first home game, home playoff game since then and they lose it to Matthew and they Stafford? Lose it, 
to Matthew Stafford. Yes. That's the other yeah. part of this. Yeah, you're you're you were right the first time. The more you think about it, the further you get from the right I answer. I think maybe if, if Michigan beats Washington tonight when this is out and you're listening to this, maybe uh, that that would help. Upset that would help. Happens. I have a question. What's up? Did, did we forget to do our our all hands moment? No, did no, no. Not? We're gonna do it next. <laughs> Just wanted to stick with the NFC. Good hands. Don't mix them. It's not all state. All okay, hands. we'll do it. All now. state. Good hands. And now. <laughs> it's time for Good Hands Moments presented by Allstate. C.J. Stroud. He just completed one of the greatest rookie seasons in NFL history for a quarterback. He finished the season with 4,108 yards, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions, and a playoff berth. For a team, you want to talk about expectations? We thought the Texans were a joke coming into the season. Not so fast, my friend. Not with C.J. Stroud. And they enter the postseason looking really good on offense the last two weeks since he's come back from injury. They're playing the Browns. A really, really good team. Really good team. They got Flacco on them. How far do you think C.J. Stroud can take the Texans in the, in the playoffs? And how do you assess how impressive this has been this year? I um, it's been incredibly impressive. So let's focus on the positives. Amigo Ryan's mm-hmm. uh, C.J. Stroud, uh, even without tank down, Nico Collins is, was incredible. The first play of the game, they called a post uh, for seventy-five yard touchdown. Like it's been so fun, and this feels like America's darling, at least to the degree that we play pay attention to Houston sports. This feels like the one team that everyone can get behind because they're not truly that threatening. If you think it's a championship hope and it's a surprising team, they moved on from Deshaun Watson and you want things to, to go well for the young quarterback to replace him. All that stuff looks good. uh, And we're feeling good about it. However, they are running into quite a challenge. So if the question is how far can they go? I'm not sure they get past this first week. How far can they go with a quarterback like C.J. Stroud? We saw in the course of this game, uh, he put on display his ability. I think that one pass where he's under duress and he throws it to a spot that looks like he's throwing it away, and Nico Collins runs to it and makes an incredible play. Like There are so many plays in the course of that game where you're like, well, when you have a quarterback like this, you can pretty much feel like you're in every game. But he's still a rookie. So, like, week one in the playoffs, like, I think going up against a great defense and uh, a a team that has higher expectations and is probably more talented top to bottom, uh, I, I think that's probably likely where it stops for uh, this fun, feel-good story. So you don't think there's any chance he goes on, like, a Joe Burrow-style run through the AFC? Um. <sighs> Of course, there's a chance. He's, I think that's well, like, yeah. like, not just like, not just like a tiny chance. There's like more of a chance than normal would be for a rookie quarterback. Well, I thought it was, uh, I mean, it was Joe Burrow's second year, right? And I thought it was outrageous. Right, he got hurt. Right. I know. Year. I know. But I mean, there's some value to being sure. uh, around. So I, I, I think that that matters. But uh, I thought that was outrageous and, and unlikely. So like, I, I think it's really outrageous and even more unlikely. If it happens this this year with um, this quarterback, not because he's any worse than Joe Burrow was at that time, just because I still believe that there are some issues on that team talent wise. What do you think they lack? What do you think they're missing? Dominique Fox. Keep in mind, this is going to be aired in in Houston, I assume. um, they're missing nothing. They're per- perfect. I love everything about out. them. Their defenses come around quite well. Their secondary has improved. Stingley turned into the corner that I thought he could be. We were all wrong about uh, getting Anderson uh, early in the draft. But, yeah, I think there are some issues with the weapons on offense now that they are down. I think Robert Woods is out too, right? And Tank Dell, they, they are uh, low on weapons offensively, and they can design – defenses can – tilt towards taking away their number one threat. And I I think there are things that the quarterback has not seen yet. A young quarterback has not experienced yet in preparing for a playoff game in the NFL. Just to be clear about you're picking Joe Flacco, just because the person who didn't, didn't believe in Joe Flacco's playoff run, you're picking Joe Flacco. I'm not going to fall into this trap where you try to pretend like I said that Joe Flacco can't go for a a playoff run. I am picking Joe Flacco in this game. I'm picking the Browns defense in this game more than I'm picking Joe Flacco. But, yes, he's capable. You know what I loved about C.J. Stroud on that game, week 18? First play of the game, like your first first long play of the game. Gus Bradley is famous for being a Seattle guy. So he plays a lot of cover three, middle of the field occupied. So that's going to take away 
the post. You're not going to want to throw the post against cover three. What does Gus Bradley do on the first play of the game? He plays quarters. Yep. What does CJ Stratz see? Quarters. What does he throw? A post 75 <laughs> yards for a touchdown. I yes. love that. I love that. Yeah. Like, like your expectation, your, your, your default is the court. As a quarterback heading into the game is going to be okay. I'm expecting middle field closed. I can't throw that season open fires a perfect pass for a 75 yard score. I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I, the Browns are going to try to disguise stuff. They have incredible talent on the defensive side of the ball. They have been the best defense in football all season. I will say they have slipped a tiny bit over the last few weeks. The Jets, kind of moved the ball on him in week 17 uh, with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. Miles Garrett has one sack over the final eight games of the season. He's been battling a shoulder injury. They're still really good. Do not take away from this that I'm saying the Browns defense is bad. Do not report on the internet that I've been owned if they're good. That is that did not happen. But I do believe they're not quite as good as maybe they seemed at the midway point of the season. So Maybe that opens up possibilities for C.J. Stroud. I don't think anything, frankly, is going to face him. He looks totally secure and just has such I mean, incredible poise in the pocket. You're you're right about all that, but they he they did win a nail biter. They needed Goodson to drop a catchable pass to put that game away against a team in the Colts that we think overachieved and does not have the talent on defense that the Browns have. On just about any level. I'm not sure that there are any players outside of DeForest Buckner that okay. are on that team that could play on the defense that the Browns have right now. Sure, I agree. So, but they can have better offensive days. DJ Stroud yeah. threw the ball like 24 times in that game. If they get into a shootout with Joe Flacco, I kind of think CJ Stroud can win that game, even though the defense is good. Agreed, but I mean now now we're now we're in uh anything can happen territory no, 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 in this no, no. conversation. I'm, I'm not I'm I'm not in anything can happen territory. I am in to me that is a distinct possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like I if we're in a shootout, I like kind of game. If we're in a shootout, I like CJ Stroud over Joe Flacco, but I like that Browns defense and a shootout situation over the Texans defense. So that and this actually Brings me to something I'm sort of interested in, sort of a historical part about this. But CJ Stroud has really had one of the best rookie seasons of all time. And it would be an unbelievable feather in his cap if he were to knock out the Browns and what has been the best defensive unit in the NFL in his first playoff game as a rookie. And like I was looking through some of the best rookie seasons ever by a quarterback, and there's a tier of them of Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and and there's a tier up, and there's RG3, who is an MVP candidate for most of the season. And then there's the tier up from that where it's Dan Marino, which is sort of the gold standard. He's the only rookie quarterback who's ever been an all-pro. His numbers are actually shockingly similar to CJ Stroud's. Obviously, it's a different era, which makes it much more impressive. But like, I kind of think, and I really believe this, and you're going to say this is hyperbolic, just like the other one. I kind of think if CJ Stroud goes on a playoff run, it's the most impressive rookie season the quarterback's ever had. And I think it's like an emergence of someone who we've seen so much bad play at the quarterback position this season that he elevates himself going into next season to that tier of guys below Mahomes where it's like Allen, Burrow, Lamar, CJ Stroud. Like he'll be in that tier of what his MVP odds going into next season are if he pulls it off in this game. And I think that's like a really cool thing that there's like this historic opportunity. Yeah, no question. I mean, I, I think he reminds me most in terms of rookie performances of Andrew Luck where it mm-hmm. felt like you had that sort of stretch early in the season where you were like, okay, I believe in this guy immediately. Like, Burrow didn't have that. Mahomes was in year two, so it didn't really count. Like, it felt like, okay, this entire team is elevated way beyond my expectations by the end of September just because of how good C.J. Stroud is. And it feels like, you know, they can go on a run. They just have to have some of the matchups go their way. Yeah, it's not hyperbolic at all. I think you're right. I- I'm not sure who to compare it to as far as – it seems in line, uh, just off the top of my head, with other great rookie quarterback seasons. If he goes on a deep run in the playoffs, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I, I would certainly put it up there with uh, among the best rookie quarterback seasons. It already is. Yeah. I I am a little worried we're going to get Texans-Ravens. Because the Texans are the four seed, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So if, if, if the three home teams win, we get Texans-Ravens. C.J. Stroud beats Lamar, and then it just becomes C.J. Stroud is the new, should Ooh. be the MVP conversation. They, was it 25-9, I think, they played them early in the season? And that CJ's was week one, though. C- yeah, I was going to say, C.J.'s a lot. I wasn't saying that because it's predictive. I just was showing off that it's 
randomly remember that score. But I think that were you at the game? Uh, no, I didn't go to that game. I so, only went to one game this year. So, what would be a more like brain breaking situation Washington. for you guys? CJ Stroud beating Lamar in the second round, or Joe Flacco going into Baltimore and beating Lamar in the second round? It's obviously Joe Flacco. Well, I don't know. CJ Stroud's pretty. Yeah, I mean Joe Flacco. It would just be. I think this is CJ Stroud did not have the quarterback hype that we have normally going into a season for a quarterback to play that well normally you have a lot of hype around those type of quarterbacks and I think the same thing would be true it'd be a shock out of nowhere but the hype going into Browns versus uh, Ravens and that would most likely be in oh no they're what are they the the three seed that'd be the three no that's the it's a, the Texans, Texans no I was are, trying to figure out when the when the um Ravens would have to play the Browns so right? if the Browns if the Browns win and no other teams upset. None of the wild cards is upset. It would be Browns, Ravens in the in yeah. round two. Oh, okay. Tough divisional matchup. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> I I would like Browns, Ravens, just because you know there's one person out there who has that the Ravens never should have benched Lamar Jackson for they never should have benched Joe Flacco for Lamar Jackson take, and they are gonna get to fire that one off <sighs> if. It's an impossible to support argument, but you're right. Somebody believes that it's Don't probably it. it's probably a good pocket of them in the Baltimore area that that, that are pretty upset about their situation. It's gonna be one guy at uh, at a Royal Farms delivering that take <laughs> on the Royal Farms internet, and I respect that. Oh gosh, I mean, he saved everybody's job. They were talking about firing Harbaugh until he won five games in a row. He got them in the playoffs. But I mean, no one should believe that it was not the right decision. So, you know, someone does. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Let's pivot into some coaching, and we'll get to, well, here's a tease. We'll end with some Bill Belichick stuff that we don't actually have the information on yet. But I want to, there's one coaching situation Above all else, above Bill Belichick, that I think we need to lead, lead with. Let's talk about Arthur Smith. Um, because our boy, huh. our boy Art, he, keeps, yes. he ended the regular season with some real, do you know who my dad is energy? Um, because he got into it with Dennis Allen after Jamal Williams punched in a touchdown at the end of the game to put up 48 points where Jameis Winston overruled the coach and was like, we're going to get Jamal Williams a touchdown. And there were some... There were some MFs dropped. There was some angry art out there. Uh, two-part question here. Uh, two-part question. We might know the answer at some point. Um, is this the last we see of Arthur Smith as an NFL head coach? And given how good the weapons are in Atlanta, how good of a job is the Falcons' job for whoever would want this next? Their defense got a lot better, which is, I mean, a lot of credit to Jesse Bates seems to be part of the catalyst and Calais Campbell. So I think that job is... Uh, Pretty attractive. The quarterback question is still out there. But if you're a Shanahan disciple, I imagine that you think that you can make something happen, which it feels like most 
coaching candidates these days are in some way tied to the Shanahan tree. So I think it's an attractive job. If it's the last we see of Arthur Smith, that is a real bad look. I, as a former player, am supposed to be the one who stands for unwritten rules. I don't. I mean, I, you know, you know, you know exactly what I'm going to say. You don't want them to score. Stop them. Like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. And Dennis Allen, I hope that he's not angry. I hope he just said that apology to be nice. And I hope that he appreciates that his guys were like, F- it, we want to get Jamal a score. No, he threw them under the bus. He was like, he was like, Jameis did it. It's Jameis's fault. Wasn't me. Wasn't my idea. You saw him. He touched Arthur Smith on his stomach with both hands. That was the level of <laughs> a apology. double tummy touch. Yeah, the double tummy touch. That's like I, 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 there. I would not touch any other human being I am not married to in those spots well, unless, <laughs> unless I was, I was trying to do the ultimate. I'm so sorry, <laughs> apology. Like that's a level of genuineness I don't even have access to. Well, that was remarkable to the me. The irony too is, Dominique, you won't get this because you've had abs. But like, there's nothing where art, art's bigger guy a double yeah. tummy touch is a bigger guy it's like oh, you might as well just call oh, me no. call him big dog and like make oh, him feel no. real <laughs> about himself oh, no. oh. I, I i i i think i would squeal yeah. frankly if someone touched me in that area and start tugging like, my t-shirt I'd start yeah, tugging no. my, is it too tight <laughs> oh. I, I i i mean dominique is there any difference for you between running a normal play in that situation or doing what they did which was line up in victory formation and then running a play out of victory formation is there any difference to you in terms of making yeah there's like def- there's definitely a, a difference i think the victory formation is worth being annoyed by um go ahead because you're gonna let up in victory and not right. because the, the i do think it's a thing to do when they're in victory formation and you like go 110 percent and try to like as a defensive lineman like that's a te- that's a terrible move there so if you line up in victory formation then we're supposed to so yeah that's a fair criticism but coming after the coach afterwards like it just generally kind of annoys me but I guess he's fired up I will say though anytime anyone's ever touched my midsection I thought they was flirting that's what it's I mean a, yeah that, that's, that's like, a that's different life than not, me we are, we're, we're not we're not used to that <laughs> that's uh, like that's like a booty pinch where I'm from that's the same thing like hey all right I see you yeah maybe maybe, maybe Charlie's pinching my booty once in a while that's a totally different situation <laughs> hey big than, head than and other stuff that's happening. Um, have we seen the last of Arthur Smith? I mean, there were reports that if he lost this game, he was going to go. And, and I don't want to root for someone to get fired. I'm not saying he should or should not be fired. But if that was the case, hard to argue that what they showed yeah. was not anything but exactly what would have qualified Arthur Smith to be fired if that was the criteria the Falcons were looking at. And, and I do think that this job is desirable like Dominique yeah. said the defense took a major step forward there's pieces on offense that we all know are exciting they have big play potential they have absolutely nothing at quarterback that they can rely upon Desmond Ritter's confidence has been shattered he has not played well he played actually pretty good to start this game but he has not played well for a full game I the feel interception like there was, uh, was one interception in this game which is so bad it was yeah. like he was aiming for the Saints. But anyway, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just was – it flashed in my head, and I got nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just – it's the hardest problem to solve, but it really does feel like if they went out and got, say, hmm, who could I think? Justin Fields. They could be <laughs> hmm. a playoff team. Yeah. What would So I, I think we are, we're on the same page, but what – maybe Charlie has the answer to this. It seems harder to me to think of the argument – to keep him. So if you're Arthur Smith and uh, Arthur Blank calls you in his office and says, why should I not get rid of you? Like, what do you point to? The defense got better this year. Like, you're not a defensive guy. <laughs> I don't know what uh, – it seems uh, hard for, for me to get behind Arthur Smith in any didn't way. Didn't put too much tread on the tires to B. John Robinson. He'll be great right. next year. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad, yeah. So what do you think Atlanta would have to trade for Justin Fields? Because I, I don't feel like they're going to give – the Bears, the number eight pick. No way. The Bears have, the Bears have one, and they have nine. So it's not even like they could move up from like fifteen to eight, and that would be significantly. I, I think 
you're probably offering your second round pick and then you're probably offering like a compensatory pick that goes along with it where like if justin fields is on the team in two years you're giving up like another three or something or um, if he like signs a contract with you that's beyond the fifth year option you're like giving a three it's it's probably not going to be a one but i think high two is is feasible and frankly that's a trade i would make if i were the falcons yeah, um, and I think it matters. It depends on what the market is, too, for Justin Fields because it's not a situation where keeping him is an option if you're going to draft somebody. It's just not something that we've really seen done. Like, you have to clean house and rely on your new quarterback. So if there is another suitor, then the price obviously goes up. So are we officially out on Justin Fields sticking with the Bears? Is that our official I, Dominic I Foxworth show stance? You're done. Charlie? Yeah. Just like, did you feel like you could have done anything today to change your mind, or was it just like that? Like he was already decided before this back. I think it is. I think Justin Fields has played himself into someone who's a really intriguing prospect and starter for another team. I think having four years of a quarterback on a rookie deal, and I think the quarterback who we just talked about in the past segment looms over all of this because Joe Flacco, (laughs) Joe Flacco, they uh, CJ, they passed on CJ Stroud, who is better than than Justin Fields now and could have been their franchise quarterback if they kept the pick and that can look really bad if Justin Fields who's been erratic you you invest in him and Caleb Williams and Drake May or Caleb Williams or Drake May your pick of the two of them turns into a superstar also and like what happens if you are the Bears management and you look at this board it's like okay we chose someone who's an okay quarterback an okay pretty good quarterback to keep in him to invest in other draft capital to build around that but we passed on two guys who are top of the league guys or three guys who are top of the league guys we've spent the entire history of our franchise looking for one of them and you know what we passed on three yeah i mean it comes down to how much better do you think your or your team can be with the capital that you trade uh for either of those players. And so like the sum of Justin Fields plus the trade capital capital, I think is less than the sum of uh, trading Justin Fields and Caleb or Drake at that point, because to your point, it's been four seasons and you're still not sure. Yeah. <laughs> like if they didn't have a draft pick in the first round this year, they'd be hesitant. I think to give him a long-term extension. And that to me is enough at this point. And it's not all his fault, which we all have chronicled, but that doesn't matter at this point. Like, all the stuff around him has been part of the problem, but right now, he hasn't developed. And maybe it's your fault, a part of it's your fault, but the fact of the matter is you're you're at a point where you have to extend this quarterback, and it's clear to me that he hasn't solidified himself as a true, uh, like, uh, franchise quarterback. But I want to ask a question that hasn't just occurred to me. Do you think DJ Moore is cursed? Like, is it just possible that, like, DJ Moore cannot go a single season with having, like, with multiple seasons in a row with having the same quarterback? Like, (laughs) there's, like, a curse where after one year, whoever quarterback he has has to go somewhere else or has to get benched or has to suck or get hurt. Like, because it feels like, has he ever had the same guy two years in a row? I have to go back and look at his Maryland Terrapin career and see how many quarterbacks came back back back-to-back seasons. But I sure hope not. Hmm. Blame my guy for that. I just just think the thing that's, like, crazy about this, too, is, like, there's a, I, I, a legitimately high chance that Caleb Williams or Drake May or both will be better than Justin Fields next year. And that's not even necessarily a slight at, at Justin Fields. It's just purely how highly people regard those prospects and the concept of how rare that is and how rare those prospects are. I just You, you got to take him. You got to take so, him so, and trade Fields. So flipping it then, if you are Justin Fields, you're not going to have a say in where you go. But would the Falcons be like the dream landing spot for you? I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's I from so. Atlanta, which I guess I, of all people, should know that doesn't really matter. But it might be cool to go back home. But uh, I think the the talent around him, I guess it depends on who the coach is. But the talent around him seems pretty enticing, I would think. Hire Ben Johnson, trade for Justin Fields, prosper. Um, Broncos, be- Broncos could be pretty good, too. The problem, like eight other teams want to want to hire Ben Johnson, so yeah. he can't he can't coach like eight different teams next year. Well, if there's another one, oh, oh my God, there's another. One. Let's talk about another team that's going to need a new coach. Uh, with the Commanders set to move on, maybe they'll hire Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick. Here's some Bobby Slow, jo- Josh Harris. Just take a little look at that. Um, uh, the Commanders they're set to move on from Ron Rivera. They have 
new ownership, potentially a new stadium. Hey, maybe they'll let the new coach give a, the team a new name. Uh, do you view that as an attractive coaching position? Uh, no. I mean, I guess second you pick. can look at... Owners yeah, of the second pick of the draft. Second pick. They got a lot of cap space, which is exciting. I mean, I guess in, in the grand scheme of things, when most jobs are really ugly, I guess this one as a blank slate with potentially a franchise quarterback is more attractive than the average opening. But the history of that organization is still the history of that organization. <sighs> it still gets hard <sighs> to me. Like, if you think as a lot of coaches do, that the owner matters a lot. We've seen there that they've switched owners. We don't know that this new guy is any better than the last guy as far as, like, managing a team. Well, I mean, the the uh, the illegal sure, portions sure of it. Yeah. Sure I guess you, you, you have to argue that he can't be worse, is it? He can be worse, but again, we're talking. We're in that like, like, is it possible? Like, like, if if he accidentally burned down the stadium, I would say, you know what? We do a service. You see FedEx Field? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there a couple weeks ago. Terrible. (laughs) Any more details on on your your dismal experience at at FedEx Field? I don't know. It was a great experience. Just the place is old. There's only three elevators in the whole joint. Guys, it just occurred to me. Who sponsors the Commander Stadium? Oh, Arthur Smith! Arthur Smith! Make it happen! Call your daddy! (sighs) Okay. That was, we did that as well as it could possibly be done. There's nothing else to add to that. I I didn't think I could be hurt anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You don't care. I've seen you watch. Oh, commanders games you want them to lose uh, we were to watching the, we were watching the commanders game a couple things dominique sent our, our group chat a text being like wow the cowboys look good in this game and i had to i had to text back like you are you kidding me are you kidding me you're gonna pat <laughs> so, you're, gonna, you're gonna pat dak on the back for beating up on the poor commanders like oh, oh boy i trust the cowboys now because they look so good beating the <laughs> Out of this dumpster fire. Did I say any of things? First of all, is is there nothing sacred in the group chat between a, a couple of bros anymore? <laughs> Second of all, I was there. I was flipping between that in the Eagles game, who the Eagles were playing against a team that is also not very good. And so when I'm watching those two things compared to each other, I'm like, hey, Cowboys look really good right now against another bad defense. They seem to be putting up numbers. You're right, but the thing I would say about Josh Harris is, remember, this is the same guy who had the Sixers, oversaw the Sixers during the Trust the Process era. Like, he oversaw a long rebuild and had an appetite for stuff that the NBA was not thrilled with when it came to tanking and rebuilding that team. Not to say say he would do the same thing again. Not to say that we're going to have Pablo writing stories about the commanders in in a couple years, but I think that team is going to get worse before it gets better. And mm-hmm. you're going to have to really appeal to the right coach to get that to happen. Like you're going to have to hand out a six year deal. You're probably going to have to pay them a lot of money. You're probably going to have to give someone personnel control. If you want a really good coach, like that is a job that is, could be appealing, but the uncertainty about the ownership uncertainty about the roster uncertainty about the stadium, you have the quarterback possibility. And that's great. But are we not sure that that ownership's not going to say, Hey, we want four first-round picks. We want to trade that pick. That's not out of the realm of possibility to me. Yep. So you know who's going to come there, right? Someone who Josh Harris is enamored with. <laughs> someone, someone, someone who's from Annapolis, Maryland. And leads us into our next topic, which is we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Bill Belichick and New England at time of recording. It has been rumored that Josh Harris is enamored with the idea of bringing in Bill Belichick. Um, it, you guys listening now might have the news that we don't have. We're not totally sure. But, you know, Jay Glazer, Adam Schefter sort of insinuated that he is likely out in New England. And let's live in that universe for a second. They've announced it's a mutual parting of ways. Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in NFL history, is on the market, whether it's going to be a trade or he's going to, get to choose where he wants to go, whatever, whatever. But who do you think is going to fare better in the coming years, the Patriots or Bill Belichick? Hmm. Ha. There's no reason to believe that either is going to do great, 
But I, I I think that because Bill Belichick can pick a location, I think, and I also think that he has not forgotten how to coach. Maybe it'll take him a while to destroy the roster that he goes to, the way that he has, as Bill has pointed out in a, a column that I'm sure is out right about now that you guys should read. No, you haven't pointed out, Bill. I'm sorry. I would never disparage Bill <laughs> Belichick by suggesting that he's destroyed the roster. Um, but continue. <laughs> I think that it's more likely that he'll have success because I don't see the um, the future of rebuilding this roster and having another coach. And it's so hard to find a good coach. They've had a great coach for a long period of time. They're probably going to go through a number of coaches before they find the next right one. You can look at the Houston Texans. They, it took them – several coaches before they landed on D'Amico Ryans. So it tends to be the case. So I think that Bill Belichick could go somewhere else. And also what tends to happen with proven coaches, like the great ones, I guess Andy Reid comes to mind, is they can go somewhere and they can have some success at a different location as long as the players are there. So I think it's much more likely that Bill Belichick uh, has a better landing spot or has more success sooner than the Pats do. You, you ha- Everyone has that friend who... Like if you're at a bar and it's kind of disappointing, they're like, oh, we should go to this other bar and you go to that other bar and it's great. And they just have that instinct for (laughs) knowing when it's the time to go to that other bar and it's going to be great. That's what you're purporting these great coaches have. And I I don't disagree. I, I think the important thing you said, Dominique, was you said Bill Belichick can still coach. And I am writing a column for ESPN that may or not exist tomorrow based on what you're hearing and whether this decision has happened or not. Where do you guys think over the second half of the season, the Patriots rank in terms of points allowed per drive? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, but I'm going to read your column right now and find out. I'm going to say... Second. That was the fakest. That was the fakest. <laughs> it uh, wasn't. It was It was real. I will read it. But, I, I mean, I think you're asking this question because that right? it suggests that oh, – what would you say? I said second. Yeah, I, I would have thought that they were really good, but I think you're asking this question because we're going to be surprised at them not being as good as we thought they were? Wrong. You 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 over you overthought it, Donnie. Oh, okay, I was right. They are number one uh, in the NFL. Yeah. In points allowed per drive by a considerable margin while facing the worst average starting field position of Oof. any defense in football. That is some coaching. And Charlie, Dominique, you guys watch the NFL every week. Mm. Can you name any players on the Patriots defense right now? Peppers. Peppers. You got it. Which you got to yeah. be more specific. If you say Julius, you're wrong. Not not Julius Jabril. Peppers. Jabril Peppers. Um, yep. What's that D tackle that I love from um, Alabama? He's still there. He's balling. Christian Barmore. Christian Barmore. Barmore's balling. Van Noy's in Baltimore now. Um, yes, that's true. He was on the Patriots a couple yeah, of years ago. Their, their corners are all hurt. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying this to try and try and point out that it's. Hurt. I wouldn't know many players. I only know yeah, the injured on the Patriots defense. Don, Christian Gonzalez, old Red <laughs> yeah. Seas, out there. Yeah, but but that that's my point. Like he's doing it. With dudes you have not heard of before, he's not getting the attention. Frankly, he does not deserve the attention. The team stinks. Nobody should be watching the Patriots every week. But like, when I hear, "Oh, Bill Belichick can't relate to young players. He he, he can't scheme. He's not used to the speed of the modern game." Like, Bill Belichick is still building an awesome defense with jabronis. And <laughs> if he can do that with guys he's signing off the waiver wire, jabrillies. I think it's an insult to Jabril, Jabril Peppers. Peppers. Oh, okay. I don't want to be disrespectful to the Peppers family. I've said so many, so many players in the NFL. Like if he could do that with those guys, imagine what he can do with Joey Bosa and Derwin James well, or Jesse Bates and Calais Campbell or insert your favorite defense here because they're going to have more talent than the Patriots have had over the second half of the season. But, and he's been great with them. But hold on. The reason they don't have the talent is because of him as the GM duties. And that's a huge part of bringing in Bill Belichick as your next coach or the team that's going to be desperate enough to do him because, or bring him in because it's like, are you going to bring him in as a coach and GM? Are you going to be able to get him to just be the coach of the football team? Because Bill, you know, this, there've been columns about this, his summer of 2021 where they spent more money than anyone. And he missed on all the free agent signings or almost all of them, his draft since 2018, which we can go through. He took 
Isaiah Wynn, a pick before DJ Moore. Sony Michelle, a pick before Lamar Jackson. Nikhil Harry, four picks before Debo Samuel. Then the other second round receivers were AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. In 2020, <laughs> he took Kyle Duggar in the second round, who's fine, but they were tied to taking Jalen Hurts in the second round with that pick, and they passed on it, even though they were in need of a quarterback. In 2022, they've still been searching for wide receivers. They took Cole Strange, five picks ahead of Christian Watson. They took Bailey Zappi, two picks ahead of Isaiah Likely. They took Tyquan Thornton, two picks ahead of George Pickens. Like, it goes on and on. And even last year, they took Chad Ryland in the fourth round, who's been, like, the worst kicker in the NFL. Like, the GM part of it is a huge part of the Belichick existence going into 2024-2025. Okay. So you guys have been around kids and you're like when a kid really wants to do something and you're like, oh, maybe we'll maybe maybe we'll do that later. And then you go do another thing and you never get back to that activity. I think that's how you have to handle the Belichick wanting to be the GM part of the job. You're like, oh, Bill, yeah, we'll go scout players later. Maybe we'll get some ice cream first. And then you distract him and then he's back to watching game tape and forgets that he actually didn't scout any players for the draft. And then you're like, oh, Bill, well, we never scouted those players. I guess we're just going to take the guys who our general manager said we should take instead. And he's going to grumble and be upset, but then you'll give him more ice cream. And he'll <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you have to take it. Uh, you have, I mean, obviously, I would assume that Bill Belichick is going to be a coveted coach uh, when he becomes a free agent. If they fire him or if they decide to trade him, maybe you could argue with him then. But you can, you have to give him, I, I think he's going to have choices. So you have to give him that. And I think it's worth the risk to take. Um, part of the reason why he has such so many losses in his draft uh, history is because he's had a lot of success. Um, and no one else who's been that bad has been able to choose players for that long. So I guess it's a fight between how great a coach he is and how bad a uh, personnel uh, executive he is. But I I don't know. I, I'm trying my best to put a positive spin on it, but I, I think I'd still rather have him as a coach mm-hmm. and comes with his um, problems in personnel than not. That that That's the thing is if we're comparing him to – Bill Belichick from a decade ago, is he as appealing of an option? Probably not. I, I think he probably has slipped a bit in terms of his evaluation. Getting older, I think he's less open to new ideas and, and you know, different things from outside what he knows and does well uh, beyond being a defensive coach. But, like, you don't have to be Bill Belichick from 2013 to be a good coaching candidate relative to the other options in this class. Like, we don't know. Ben Johnson might say, hey, I want $15 million a year in personnel control. We don't know if Ben Johnson's any good at that. We don't know if um, Dan Quinn, who's like the, been the hottest coaching candidate the last couple of years, by the time three. he was he was finishing up in Atlanta, like everybody wanted him to be fired. He was terrible as a coach by the end of his time in Atlanta. Like, and he's probably the best candidate besides Johnson out there. Like, we are very confident in our ability to believe that the unknown option is better than the known option. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as retread coaches can be bad and suck, and Belichick, by the way, is one of them. Um, we're so confident that like the hot young thing is going to be good when two thirds of the time they should have to be failures. So i i would I would be willing to give Bill Belichick personal control if it was my team. I'd be willing to take that mm. risk, knowing I'm going to have to get lucky because there's probably going to be some mistakes being made. I think he gets enough stuff right that if he just maybe gets distracted when you have to take a wide receiver or a running back, that might be a step in the right direction. Agreed. Give me Bill Belichick. We all agree. Bill's, I mean, Bill Belichick. Great name. Great initials. <laughs> He's it's not it. my favorite BB. Bill Barnwell's my favorite BB. For that, you're going to have another BB. Uh-uh. Don BB. Thank you, Bill Barnwell, for joining us again. Thank you, Charlie, of course. Thank you, Allstate. This has been the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate. Throw your hands up. Thanks, Podville, I guess, for letting Charlie sit in my chair. And wow. appreciate you, producers, for letting Charlie sip on my mug. Megan Serafina, <sighs> Kevin Bryan, and Tez, we out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.